Amen. And good morning. Uh, my name is Andy Nelms. I have the privilege uh, of being an associate pastor here at Lover's Lane, a pastor at Thrive and at Walnut Hill Church as well. I am so excited to get to worship with you this morning and, uh, and to be co-preaching uh, with my wife. Uh, this is uh, Melissa Nelms. And um, Melissa, as Pastor Donna has already said, is a um, seminary student in her second year at Perkins School of Theology. And um, Melissa and I have actually served on staff at previous churches and and have gotten to co-preach at previous churches as well. But this is the first time that we get to share with you. And uh, we are so excited to get to worship with you this morning. Uh, As we continue our series called Open, this has been a, a conversation on relationships. And and what does it mean not just to be in a, in a married relationship, not just to be in a marriage or even in a dating relationship, but in all of our relationships? How do we uh, put value in others, honor ourselves, and glorify God in those relationships? And, and as we've been praying through this sermon and about this sermon, we've realized something, maybe um, you've understood this as well, that this pandemic has really highlighted something about us that we are lonely. We're lonely, and, and maybe before the pandemic, we could kind of cover it up, right? I mean, maybe before the pandemic, we could kind of do something to distract ourselves from the fact that we were lonely, but now that is becoming nowhere more obvious than, than in our relationships. Yeah, and even in a full house, which we have a very full house at home with five of us, three kids, a rabbit, and a dog, and there's just lots of life all the time, but even in the midst of a full and life-filled home, there are moments when that loneliness still creeps in for us. We're, we're doing all day. We're doing the dishes and, and laundry and fixing lunches and helping our kids with virtual learning and doing our own learning and meetings for work. And we're kind of like passing ships sometimes. Maybe it's like this with your partner as well. And, and you wonder, do they see me? Do they, do they see what I'm doing for them or do they only see what I'm doing for them and, and not me, myself, and that loneliness, that loneliness gets to us and at the end of the day when you're exhausted and that resentment has started to build and you're sitting on the couch with your partner and the pings from the video games are kind of annoying in your head or maybe, you know, like me, my popcorn crunching is a little too loud, but because we have had that loneliness in ourselves all day, we still long for that connection at the end of the day with our partner or those in our home with us. Or maybe you're the only one at your house or your apartment or wherever you are and and human connection is a little bit more difficult to come by. Uh, I would imagine there could almost be this kind of spiral of anxiety in that situation, right? Because you experience this loneliness and your need for community, but the thought of reaching out to somebody else and being rejected is almost too much to bear. And so you, you refrain from reaching out to somebody, but then again, because of that anxiety, you get more anxious and this, this spiral begins to expound upon itself because we experience this kind of loneliness. Maybe you're in a different stage of life, a, a later stage in life. Maybe you're retired or you, you chose to retire early because of your fear around COVID and wanting to keep yourself safe, but your idea of retirement was completely different than what you are living in. You thought retired life was going to be catching up with old friends and family and, and traveling and seeing things and spending time with your grandchildren and helping your children raise your grandchildren and care for them. And, and now you find that They just don't need you like you thought they were going to need you. And it's not even that they don't need you, but that they love you so much that they're wanting to keep you safe and protect your health. And so 
your home, either by yourself or with a partner, and, and you're feeling unneeded and, and lonely in that space. And what Melissa and I have seen firsthand is how this pandemic and how this loneliness has affected children and even teens. Uh, at a stage in life, whenever friend groups are so important, yeah. right, you're, you're creating new friend groups and you're cultivating those really deep relationships with those closest friends. Well, we've seen this happen firsthand. Uh, uh, Melissa and I, our family has been very intentional about creating relationships with our neighbors, those people who live closest to us. And, and so we did that as soon as we moved to Texas. And then, uh, of course, the pandemic hit and our relationships looked a little bit like <laughs> this now, where we're peering over our fence, talking to our best friends that are next door. And... Um, this was back in March. Please ignore the, the, the long uh, grass, but um, please forgive me. But uh, this is what our relationships kind of look like. And I feel like this picture is really uh, kind of enigmatic of, of our relationships now in the midst of this pandemic, this, this close but distant. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case, whatever stage of life you're in, and regardless of what you believe, Maybe you've been a long-time Christian, a long-time member of this church, and you understand that you were created for community, but maybe you don't know what you believe. Maybe you, you tuned in and you're not really sure why, and, and, and maybe you're here this morning. We want to let you know that we believe with everything that we are that you were created for community, and that desire that we all have to reach out to another person. To, to reach out and experience that human connection, that desire was placed there by God. Yeah. See, God sees our loneliness. God sees our loneliness and says, it is not good that the human is alone. It is not good. As Donna said earlier, there, there are two creation stories here in Genesis. The first, the first one is in chapter 1, and it's one of the ones that we're probably a little bit more familiar with, the, the traditional seven days of creation in which human creation is the pinnacle of the story. It is the very good ending of God's creation before God rests. And God creates humanity. God creates male and female simultaneously in this mutual relationship, in this community at the very beginning. And so we don't really notice how important it is, but that it is there. And then as we move into chapter 2 and we see this retelling of the Genesis story in another, from another frame, we see that the human is created first in this story. And it is this positioning of creation, of creating the human first as opposed to last, like in the first story, that shows us the contrast between loneliness and community. Because in the beginning, in the second story, God creates the human first, and God says, it is not good that the human is alone. And God continues to create in order to bring the human into community and fill that divine urge inside the human for that community. So the story goes in this way, uh, in Genesis 2, starting in verse 4, that in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant and no field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise up from the earth and the water of the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him and his nostrils the breath of life. 
and the man became a living being. As Melissa said, this second creation story highlights the importance of community, whereas in the first creation story, there was already community created. God created male and female. But in the first creation story, God creates one singular human, one singular human, and then God almost immediately realizes something, that this human is lonely. And so we read this in verse 18, that the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. And there's this interesting thing that happens uh, following this realization. There's this interesting thing that happens. That, uh, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, was kept in an oral tradition before it was ever written down. That means it was simply handed down by story, right? And, and uh, parents would tell their kids these stories before they went to bed or around the campfire. And you can imagine this story being told. And that God realizes that the human is alone. And so in the second creation story, Genesis 2, God parades the animals before the human. As we heard Pastor Donna read, the, the animals paraded before the human and the human names these animals. The human names these animals. But what we read is that at the end of the parade, after all the animals had come before the human, there is not one animal that is found as a suitable helper. That word helper in Hebrew is Azer. And this Hebrew word Azer occurs 21 times in the Hebrew Bible in what we call the Old Testament. 21 times, two times here in the second chapter of Genesis talking about the human needing a suitable partner, a suitable helper, an Azer. But there are 19 more occurrences of this and of those 16 times, God is the Azer. God is helper. God is help, our help meet. It is from God that we get our help and our strength and our power. God shares God's power with us. And we see that Azer is not necessarily just a supporting role as we might most commonly think of it. It's not a, a weak role, but it is a powerful and position of strength that God shares with us in community. That God is our Azer, and so God continues this creation in order to find an Azer for the human, to continue being in community and, and continue creating alongside God in this world together. And as we think of this helper, as we think of this Azer, you know, what comes to mind are the, the dreaded group projects from school. Right? Do you remember this being paired off with other students to be able to complete a project together? And there are always kind of different types of students that were a part of that group project. Um, some of them you might call the slackers. Uh, that, that was me. And then there were others that were the overachievers. And that was Melissa. <laughs> so I dreaded group projects. <laughs> Because of this, because what I had experienced is that one person does the work of four people and they get a quarter of the credit at the end of the project. And so I hated it. I dreaded it every time I was assigned to a group. But what I'm finding now after going back to school, after 12 years of being away from it, being in seminary, is that I need a helper. I need a group. I need people that I belong to and belong to me to do this work with because it is hard to do on your own. And so I have really invested in these communities in school and, and they are just as invested as I am. 
See, we have this common goal, this call to do God's work, to do God's ministry. And so having Azares around me in these group projects, we are constantly building one another up and, and raising the bar and, and lit, sorry, <laughs> bringing up that level of expectation so that we can all succeed and do well and do a good ministry together. It's life-giving. And, and as we think of this Azer, we come to understand now that it is an equal partnership, mm. something in which people share power with one another. And this is what God saw, right? God creates His human and then parades all of these animals, all these weaker subjects before the human, but none of them are found to be a suitable helper, a suitable Azer. And so God does something upon that realization that none of these animals will work. We read this uh, in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse, starting in verse 21. That the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the ribs he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This idea of an Azer is important in a marriage. It's important because we share power with one another. That it's not that, that a powerful subject has come into contact with a less powerful subject, but that both people bring equal power into a relationship. This is what Melissa and I have found in our marriage, especially in the midst of pandemic, right? In the midst of pandemic, we would like to think that it's a 50-50 partnership, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes some, one of us only has 20% to give, and they're looking for that partner to give the other 80%, right? This comes whenever one person's got to be in a Zoom meeting, and the other one has to put the kids to bed. This comes whenever the four-year-old wakes up before six o'clock and is hoping that the other one will get out of bed, right? That, that every once in a while, we are called to, to give to the other person and to share in this kind of partnership. This is what it means to be an Azer. So as we were preparing for our sermon this week, I was reading an article on, on creating community and being creative for community, and the author of that article said this, loneliness has been transfigured by communion. Divine companionship begets divine and human friendship, partnership, and loving. We worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in community with God's self. And so it is no wonder that the human felt lonely before God created an Azer because we are created in the image of God, in God's image of community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we are created for community ourselves. We desire it deep down inside of us. It is part of us and our creation. God is moved to compassion at the loneliness of the human and he continues creating in order to bring the human into life-giving relationships with an Azer. God transfigures our loneliness when we seek community. God transfigures our loneliness when we seek community, and so our hope and our prayer is, is that we would all seek community. And so this week, we would encourage all of us to practice one of a few things. The first thing is this, that we would invest in our emotional health, that we would invest in our own emotional health, and that might mean that, that we would seek out a licensed professional counselor. 
counseling and finding counseling has never been easier, right? Before, you had to go to a place to see a counselor, and, and you, you would sit in a waiting room, and you might even come into contact with somebody else, right? And you would, you would sit there, and you would, you know, kind of like wonder what's going on with them, and then you had that moment of realization where you knew that they were doing the same thing for you. Maybe that was just me, but, but, um, but now it's easier than ever, Right now, you can do it through your phone. You can do telehealth, and, and we would encourage you to seek licensed professional counseling. Uh, this is something that Melissa and I have done, and what we've found is that we are both, when we are both in counseling, our relationship becomes stronger, mm-hmm. right? And, and what we find so many times are people who are, are couples or in a relationship, and they say, we think we ought to go to couples counseling, or I think we ought to go to couples counseling, but my partner won't go, and our advice is that you go. You go to counseling. Because when we improve our own emotional health, the health of our relationship becomes better. So invest in your emotional health. And then the second thing is this, be appropriately vulnerable. Be appropriately vulnerable because starting and creating community takes vulnerability. It is equally as hard to make friends as it is now than it was when we were kids. But if we're going to create community in the midst of this pandemic, it's going to take some appropriate vulnerability. And we also encourage you to engage in your church community. We have an amazing church family here at Lover's Lane with so many opportunities for fellowship, for prayer, for Bible study together, to worship, even when we're in our own homes and not together in this space. And so we encourage you to get online and to look for the multiple opportunities that are available to you. I actually would do a little shameless plug here because I get to practice with friends starting in Lent, February 22nd at 9 a.m. every Monday through Lenten season. We're going to be practicing the daily office together and cultivating that community that we've been talking about all morning. And so if you're looking for that, I encourage you, I invite you to join us, to be in community, to be in prayer, to set intentions for the week that bring you into relationship with God and with other people. As we consider what it looks like when a community of people create this kind of community, I, I think of our campus at, at Walnut Hill Church. Uh, again, as you know, I, I get to be the teaching pastor there at Walnut Hill Church, and, and they have done some incredible things to help kind of create this type of community. We say that our mantra, what we say that we do at Walnut Hill Church is that we connect and serve with our neighbors. And, and these last eight months have definitely been the case. Um, something that we've done, it was, you know, back in December, of course, we had our awesome live nativity. That was um, part here at the campus of Inwood Road of Lover's Lane. And then we finished at Walnut Hill Church where we had hundreds of neighbors, many of whom were not even members of our church. They got to celebrate the birth of Christ together. That was on Sunday, December 20th. But then something really fun happened even the next day. Um, one of our neighbors to our church uh, had actually talked to one of our members, Don Moulton. And, and our neighbors asked and told us that there would be the aligning of, of these two planets, and this would be happening, and you could see it in the night sky. And they said, you know, we live kind of close by. Can you turn out the parking lot lights so that we can come to the parking lot and, and watch it? And Don looked at me and said, I, I don't see why not. Of course we can. And, and, and this person said, thank you. And she walked away. My favorite thing was that Don looked at me and he said, hey, we're doing that neighbor thing. Yeah. We're connecting and serving with our neighbors. And so on December 21st, we had more than 100 people in our parking lot. 
standing, looking up at the night sky in awe of what God has done. As I think about what a Christian community is, it's a group of people who have made space for all people to come together and stand in awe of what God has done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.